And this morning, we're taking a little pause in our What About series that Josh has been doing for the last several weeks, and we're going to look at one story in the Bible in Luke 13, verses 10 through 17, where Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath, and it's a fascinating and interesting and compelling story, and we're going to dive into it, but before we do that, I have just a few things to say about it. So we're looking at this passage about healing. And I know for a lot of us, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard some different things about healing, about physical healing, some helpful, some not so helpful, some very hurtful. It can run the gamut. So I just want to say I acknowledge that this morning. And we all come to this text in general with different experiences and hesitancies And so that is welcome here, and we'll tread carefully together on that. And I also want to say that I don't think that the weight and the truth of this story hinges upon believing or thinking that it literally happened. So if you're like, why are we talking about this? What's going on? I don't think this is real or true or literal. That's okay. I think the imagery that we see described in this story is working on different levels, And so you can enter in at any of those levels. So I just wanted to say those few disclaimers before we get going. So now I will read for us our passage for this morning. Like I said, it comes from Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands upon her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work is to be done. Come on those days to be cured, but do not come on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan found for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? When when he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at the wonderful things he was doing. We don't get a lot of details about the woman who is a central character in this story, We don't know her name, we don't know her age, we don't even know the name of the town where she lives and where this is taking place. The few details we get about her is that she is bent over, burdened and bound and unable to stand upright. Since she's in the synagogue on this Sabbath day, it's safe to assume that she is Jewish and that going every week to the synagogue was a part of her weekly rhythm. And it makes me wonder about how she got there every week. You know, I'm imagining her walking, bent over. Is there a crowd around her? Is she by herself? Did she want to get there early? Did she want to get there late? What was it like for her in her perspective, bent over, heading to the synagogue? 
How did it change what she saw? Literally, how did it change how she saw herself, those around her, how she saw God, how it affected her inclusion or exclusion of that community? Maybe when she got to the synagogue, she liked to hang out in the back, not get in anyone's way. Or maybe she would sit off to the side, saying hi to the friends that she knew, avoiding those that in their tone and their interaction just made her more aware that she was different than everybody else there. I wonder if on other days of the week she had come to the synagogue for healing, because it seems like maybe that was something that did happen with what the synagogue leader says in this story. And had she come before hopeful that something would change and that she would walk away different, only to leave doubled over once again? I wonder about that. We don't know much about her, but we know that she could not stand up straight, fully embodied in her community. This particular Sabbath day was probably much like all the others for her in this experience, until the visiting teacher looks at her, calls her over, and says the strangest thing. He says, you are set free. Not you are healed, but you are set free. And I wonder if for her in that moment, what those words could have meant. Did she consider herself not free? Did she consider herself bound up? Was this stranger speaking to something that nobody else had seemed to notice about her or acknowledge that she was burdened and bound up? And then Jesus lays his hands on her, but the weight of that didn't add to her burden, but rather freed her up. And she associates what had just happened with Jesus with God. She's praising God. She says that God is the reason that it happened. She came into synagogue that day, doubled over, and she left standing upright, and she says it is because of God. Now, the imagery that I see in this story is this juxtaposition between being bound up, being burdened, and then being set free. And if I imagine someone standing like that, in this posture, bent over, it almost seems like there's an invisible weight on their shoulders that they can't bear. It seems to me like an oppression that alters their perspective and their interaction with the world, this oppression weighing down on them. And if we take into consideration this tension between these images, if we take into consideration the location, the setting where this is happening, it gains even more meaning. So this is all happening, like I've said, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And growing up, I would read stories about Jesus healing on the Sabbath, and I would always wonder why he continued to do it, because it always makes people mad, namely the religious leaders. And we see that same thing happening in this story. In verse 14, it says the synagogue leaders were indignant. They're visibly angry and annoyed. They do not agree with what just went down. It's like they want to say, oh, we're not setting this precedent. They're looking around. They address the crowd rather than Jesus and start saying, come on other days. This is not the time. This is not the place. We should do this. Another day would have been best. But we see Jesus is not having it. He does not agree with the synagogue's leader interpretation of what's okay to do on the Sabbath. 
because the Sabbath was a time for rest. It was a time to not work, and there was a lot of parameters on what counted as work. And so for the synagogue leaders, they're seeing Jesus interact with this woman and the change that occurs, and they're like, that is breaking the Sabbath. But Jesus sees it a little bit differently. And in these types of interactions, these disagreements we see in the Gospels between Jesus and the religious Jewish leaders, there oftentimes in Christian history has been kind of an oversimplified interpretation of that. It's really easy to look back at history, look back at these stories and say, okay, Jesus was helping this woman, he wanted her to be free, whatever that means, and that's good. And the synagogue leaders didn't want that to happen, it seems, and that's bad. So Christianity's good, Judaism is bad. But I think not only is that kind of interpretation really unhelpful and led to detrimental effects of anti-Semitism over the course of history, it also is not a very accurate and nuanced representation of what's actually going on here. Because the reality of the context is that Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is in the synagogue teaching. So there had to be at least some sort of consent for him to be there teaching. Like the synagogue leaders knew that it was happening. He didn't just come in and take it over. And also the awareness of Jesus being a Jew helps us to see that Jesus knew the laws about the Sabbath. Jesus knew what it meant to keep the Sabbath and so I see this interaction here as not Jesus dismissing the Sabbath or saying it is not important, but rather just interpreting it a little bit differently. We see in his response to the synagogue leaders, he says, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the manger and lead it away to get water. And at first glance of this story, I was like, what in the world does this have to do with what is happening in this scene? But upon a little further investigation, I found that this kind of action, this thing that could be considered work of, of caring for household animals, was allowed on the Sabbath. It was okay. And so Jesus is bringing this example of what's okay to do on the Sabbath and comparing it with the action he just took. And in this example, he's once again using the imagery of an animal being tied up, being bound, that being undone, being led, being free, and having their needs met. And Jesus compares this, like I said, with what just took place with this woman. He says, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, also be set free on this Sabbath day? Now, this is not Jesus saying that this woman is an animal, not even a little bit. Instead, he's using this traditional um, form of Jewish logic that says if something is true in the lesser sense, then it is also true in the greater sense. So Jesus is looking at the situation and saying, we can care for your household animals. You can meet their needs. You can unbind them on the Sabbath day. And we can do that for this woman, a daughter of Abraham, one of the community as well. So Jesus is reinterpreting, looking at these different examples, speaking to the Jewish community gathered there. And I think he has in mind one of the reasons that the Sabbath exists in the first place. 
There are two instances in the Hebrew Bible where the Israelites are told to keep the Sabbath. And in the instance in Deuteronomy, the reason for the Sabbath is to remember that the Israelites were once enslaved in Egypt, but God brought them out and set them free. It's as if Jesus is challenging the leaders of the synagogue not saying that the Sabbath is not important, but rather that the importance of the Sabbath is liberation, is setting people free. And I think Jesus is wanting to remind them in this moment that the liberating force of God was not just a one-time thing that happened in the past, but rather it's a work that continues on. And though it always makes people mad, it seems that Jesus thinks the Sabbath is the perfect day for healing, for being set free, for liberation. Because on the Sabbath, the community is gathered together and seeing that liberation take place. And it is not just an individual liberation. It is not just for this one woman in the story. It is a communal and a social one as well. And if we think about this community that's gathered there, the Jewish community and the time and place where they existed, it was under the rule of the Roman Empire. And so for these people in this synagogue today, the idea of being bound up, of being doubled over with oppression was not just an idea, but was a lived reality. And at the same time, this idea of liberation, of being set free, of being able to stand upright in fullness was also not just an idea, but was a true desire for political and social change in their lived reality. And I think we see this conflict, this conversation between Jesus and the synagogue leaders as a little bit of a warning, a little bit of insight into the ways in which those who claim the God of liberation have the liability of sometimes aligning with oppression rather than liberation. The synagogue leaders are talking and saying, this is not the day for liberation. This is not the time and the place. And it's as if Jesus is reminding them, that's kind of what our God is about. Remember why we keep the Sabbath? It is all for liberation. And in this story, thinking about who God is, what God has to do with liberation, what that has to do with the community gathered there, Jesus says something a little interesting and a little confusing. He doesn't attribute this woman's oppression, her situation, or that of the community to God, because God is the God of liberation, but rather he attributes it to Satan. Now, when I say Satan, when you read it in the Bible, there's probably a lot of different images that come to mind, a lot of different teachings and things you have heard about this character of Satan and getting into the intricacies of those and what the Bible might have to say versus what has been built around it is a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But what's helpful to understand about Satan being used in this context is that all throughout the book of Luke, when the character of Satan comes up, it is always as an adversary to God, being described as oppositional to the work of God in the world. Satan is the force that opposes God's work of liberation, that opposes the work of human flourishing. And so though we could probably say a lot of different things about Satan, what we can say 
to suffice it to say, in this story, in this moment, Satan, what is from Satan, is not God. And we see Jesus playing into this dynamic in his response to the synagogue leaders saying, Satan bound her up and God has set her free. And so I see Jesus interpreting what has just happened in the midst of this community with this woman to be the work of God, the work of liberation, opposing that that would oppress this woman, this community, and leave them doubled over. And I can imagine for many of us here this morning, many of us in this community, it is not too hard to imagine what it would be like to be this woman in the story, to be someone that walks into the religious community doubled over, weighed down by oppression, only to have it increased in that midst. Or maybe that's the place that it was placed on your shoulders in the first place. I know a lot of us can probably relate to this idea of not being able to stand up in our fullness because of the oppression placed on us, because of how we look, who we love, what we believe, how we show up in the world. And I know a lot of us have encountered religious communities that have been a lot more binding than freeing, that have sided a lot more with oppression than the liberation of God. And yet the hope for me in this story is that the oppression, the weight on this woman's shoulders is not from God. God's work in our lives, in the world, in this story is one of liberation, not oppression. And no matter what you have been told before now, I just want to say that any weight you feel on your shoulders, anything limiting you from being the fullness and embodying the fullness of who you are is not from God, but is a force that is opposing God's work in the world. I wonder what it would look like to be a community like the one in the story that rejoices at liberation, at witnessing someone else's liberation, and not only rejoicing in it, but joining in that work of God to that end. And even as I'm wondering and thinking about what that could look like, I see it right in front of me in this community here. In my time getting to know Grace Point, it has become abundantly apparent that this community is one that is concerned with liberation, that wants to work towards that end in the local community, the national, and the global. And I know this community to be one that says to everyone you encounter, that weight on your shoulder, doubling you over that oppression, that's not from God. But the truth of the matter is that you are beloved, you can embody the fullness of who you are just as you are. And being a community that's engaged in the work of liberation, I don't have to be the one to tell you that it's hard work. <laughs> that it, everywhere we seem to look, there is more oppression, more to be done. But the hope I see in this story is that God is on the side of liberation. That it's not a one and done situation, but it is continuing on. And we get to join in on that. We are joining in on that. We get to be a group of people that echo the question of this story. Ought not she be free? Ought not everyone else be free? 
and we get to work to that end for liberation of all people, knowing God is on the side of liberation. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.